it, it was really hard to like kind of separate those two worlds and, you know, just be like, Carla, no music here is perfect. <laughs> and, <laughs> so that was, that was a really hard project for me, but it was a very, a very fun project. Welcome back to another episode of Horizon Music, the podcast. I'm your host, Thea Wood. If you're a movie buff, you're going to love today's guest. She's a composer and multi-instrumentalist whose music has appeared in over 30 motion pictures and soundtracks like Porno, This Is Jessica, and Lati That, Silhouette Girl. Not to mention over 100 song placements in Emmy and BAFTA award-winning shows like The Ellen DeGeneres Show, The Young and the Restless, Skins, Teen Titans Go, and Dance Moms. All you gamers out there may even recognize her sounds in the Microsoft video game, Project Spark. She also records and performs as White Widow and recently released a new album, So She Howls, which is nominated for a 2024 Grammy in the Best New Age Ambient or Chat Album category. Her work has earned her over a dozen awards, nominations, and fellowships since 2015 with two of her film scores presented at the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences Museum. I am so excited to welcome the musical champion for women, minorities, immigrants, and the LGBTQ community, and the woman who Sandra Bernhardt calls so fucking groovy that it scares the shit out of me. Welcome, Carla Petullo. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that great introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. I love my introductions. They're so much fun. I love doing them. I love writing them. I love saying them. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm a little bit jet lagged because I, I just took a major trip to Japan, but Ooh. I'm adjusting to LA time now <laughs> and it's wonderful. I'm in Detroit, two different, almost coasts. Uh, super excited to get forward with uh, talking a little bit about you and your new music and uh, and your motion picture work. This is going to be a really action-packed uh, episode of Horizon Music. And I guess we're just going to start off with the shakedown, which is a list of short answer questions that we ask all of our guests. Are you ready to shake it down? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. Our first shakedown question is an easy one. Who was your first concert? Uh, I would say Elton John with my mom. Wow. When was that? Uh, that was like in the late 90s. My mom was a real big fan. And and of course, I, I, I really love Elton John. And so it was really a special bonding time, too, for me and my mom. And here he is on his final world tour. I know. I need to catch that. Okay, next question. What was the first album you bought with your own money? That would be Aretha Franklin, her greatest hits album. I was like maybe 11 or 12, and I was really just getting into music. So I got a greatest hits album. I usually don't do that, but it was amazing just to get an introduction to her work. Next one. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? I mean, it usually tends to be uh, Lori Anderson, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I kind of go, you know, also with film scores, it's so hard <laughs> to choose one, but I'll say um, Lori, Lori Anderson's um, the artist that I'm playing a lot right now. And what about Lori Anderson is just so compelling for you? She just opens the door to new things. You know, she'll try new technology. She'll just... Um, she's not afraid to leave where she was before, you know, in her last work. And she really evolves into different places. So I think that's really fascinating. 
Okay, next question. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? You know, I'm going to say my pal Sandra Bernhard, because, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I met her, you know, when I was in this band, White Widow, and um, she really took me under her wing, and I began performing with her, and it really opened up my world to music, you know, in an external way as well, where, you know, like I was part of someone else's story, and a bigger story than just, you know, my own at that time. So that that was really cool to... Uh, experience that with her. And everybody thinks of Sandra and of course the actress, the comedian, but you joined her in a different way. Yeah. Well, she, she always incorporates music in her shows. And so she, you know, it was actually in Austin at South by Southwest where we met and yeah. And then I kind of came on to help music direct on her, one of her tours and and it was a really cool experience uh, to meet her and to um, just kind of open my world of like performing uh, someone else's music, which is just, it, it's really cool because, you know, it's, it just opens your world, your vocabulary and then, you know, musically speaking as well. If you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, man, right now, I'd really love to have dinner with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> and I'm sticking in the comedy world. I, I'm just like so blown away by um, her resilience and her, um, I don't know, she's just always had, you know, through the hardships of my life, I, I do turn to music and I turn to comedy. And she's, she's always been there. And I just find her fascinating. I love her new work, her podcast. It's, it's just great. Oh, I haven't heard her podcast yet. Yeah, it's so wiser than me. It's it's she she really loves to talk about women and kind of like I just feel like she's in tune with being a with being a woman and like the stuff that we have to go through. Yeah, and vocal about it. And vocal about it, right. Here is uh the last question and it's a doozy. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? You know, I think I'm kind of on this journey right now, but I would love to um, kind of dive into music therapy more and Ooh. maybe even get a doctorate in it. I'm really like, you know, music with healing. I'm really fascinated by the things that, you know, can come out of listening to songs and, and you know, people going through some really hard times. I mean, I think that's always been a part of music, but I would love to dive deeper into the science of it. And you know what? Actually, we do have a podcast episode featuring Dr. Hope Young, and she is one of the foremost music therapists in the world, uh, based in Austin. Of awesome. Wow. <laughs> Out of all places, based in Austin. And she is fabulous and says some really, uh, um, you know, incredible things that people don't realize, like you said about the science of it. It's not just about, oh, this touches me. There are real and documented uh, effects that music has on our body and our muscles and our brains. <laughs> it's a goal. <laughs> it's a goal. I love that goal. And with that, we have wrapped up the shakedown. Uh, right now, we're going to take just a few minutes for a message, and we'll be right back with Carla Petulo. Hi, I'm Oliver the sexy AI voice that Horizon Music created to invite you to sign up for Horizon Music the newsletter. Discover trailblazers and rising stars who work on stage, on air, and behind the scenes in music. Plus, you'll get notices on new podcast episodes, 
in-person and online events, and discussions about the issues that affect women in music. Click the newsletter link in the show notes or visit horizonmusic.com. That's H-E-R-I-Z-O-N music.com. Now, back to the show. just heard Earth, which is a single off of Carla's uh, new album, So She Howls. And uh, Carla, this is a highly personal project that came from a frightening experience. I was hoping that you could share the backstory behind your album. Originally, when I was writing this album, you know, I've been struggling with grief for a long time after um, losing my mom suddenly in a car accident uh, years ago. You know, I was kind of like, and just kind of reflecting and trying to still deal with the grief of it going through different stages of life. And then, you know, I had my own uh, near-death experience with a health scare, and that was really hard. Um, I saw myself kind of in this tunnel again. And, you know, thankfully for me, like I, everything worked out for me and I'm okay, but, you know, it really made me reevaluate life and being able to come out of that you know, this album was really, I chronicled it. It was like my diary. It started as this album where I'm like, well, this might be it. Then it kind of like, as I, I came through and felt better, I realized that, oh, I need to really 
struggle with the anxiety after it. Cause you know, there's the trauma and then there's like the anxiety of what you just went through and your mind just catching up with the entire experience. And that anxiety was really what I was struggling with for a while. And I, you know, I began capturing it and recording it and I didn't know what I was really making, but it was, it was something that I needed to do. So how does it feel, the feel of the album and Earth, let's say in particular, how does it feel compared to what you did prior to this experience, to this life-threatening experience? It's something that I, I really feel throughout my body. Something that really um, resonates, like it, need, it needed to come out. Where, you know, where I have done personal projects before, but this was like, for me, like, this this thing that I needed to do, like I had to get out of this tunnel. So it's kind of like, yeah, live or die, right? And it's like pushing to live and holding, you know, being grateful for the things that I that I have in life. This was your own form of music therapy. It really was. It was. And, you know, it's funny because this track features um, Lily Hayden. I'm a big time fan of her and her band, Opian Moon. That's an album that I'm listening to right now, their latest album and their meta prayer album, you know, I had a conversation with her, like saying, you know, I'd really love to have you on this album because, you know, I'm almost there with my healing, but I need it to soar a little bit more in the end. And I know you can be these wings to kind of get me there. And it was so amazing to have her because she did it, you know, she really came through and brought me to the other side. (laughs) With this album, the name, uh, so she howls. Where did that come from? Well, in the beginning process, it was hard. I remember just sitting down, press and record, and just like letting my emotions out. And I just wanted a howl. Uh, there was so much in there. There was part anger, right? And then there's, but there was also like this sadness and this grief. And I couldn't really put it into words. And I just wanted a howl. And then it kind of connected with nature. You know, I, I, I ended up spending a lot of time uh, hiking and connecting uh, to nature in a way that I never had before. Now it's like when I meditate, I think about what's howling in the background. So you speak a lot about sound. One thing that we talk about are soundscapes. Yeah. You are a soundscape queen. And I would love it if you could uh, share with the audience what that means. What are soundscapes? You're thinking about all the sounds in across the platform. We all start with silence, right? We have silence there, right? And and then you can build that. And there's there's so many frequencies, and you you don't want to like clash. You want to have you want to let everything have its space. And you're kind of thinking in this spatial world. Like for example, on this album, I went outside because uh, we got a lot of rain uh, this winter in LA. And I began recording the rain. I was like, I have to do something with this rain. You know, and I made that a layer of my of my my soundscape of, you know, having that texture in there, which takes up this certain frequency, and then, you know, building music within that and having it be one thing. It was really cool because I, I also had the ensemble tonality come in and they did some wind sounds for me, which was so fun. So we were really trying to think outside the box and not just have these conventional, traditional things, which are there, but but also to open up our minds. So I think it evokes that into listener. 
what I love about this is you take all these sounds and you not only apply them to what you're doing on recording albums, but also with soundtracks uh, for film and music for television. What are some of the differences between what you might do for an album and what you might do for a soundtrack or a, a television show? First of all, let me just also say I did intentionally bring in a mixer who does mostly film work for this album. So it's interesting that you're catching all, <laughs> you know, that it's all tying together. With film work, it's, a, you know, obviously there's another story in place, right, that you are, but still deeply connecting to in some way, right? Production-wise, you do have a sound designer typically that you work with. So you both are kind of sharing that space. And of course, you have the dialogue, which I smile because, <laughs> you know, first starting out with film score and you're like, oh, the dialogue. But of course, you need the dialogue. <laughs> it's getting in the way of the music. <laughs> exactly. But you, so you really have all these elements coming in. So you have to not overwrite you have to like kick it back a little bit and, and leave space for these other elements to come through. And what does the sound designer do? Like, how do you work together? What is their role versus your role? So the sound designer, you know, there's the obvious work of like doing the actual Foley sounds and stuff like that. But then there's like kind of the really creative stuff of the room tones and how, you know, sometimes a scene can be internal or external, but, you know, internal is like you're hearing things as if the character is feeling them. So the sound designer can get really creative in making you feel a heartbeat or making that water dripping sound, give it anxiety or whatever, you know? Right. It's really a, it's really a collaboration. You know, we don't want to be doing the same thing, right? Because we'll cancel each other out. So it's really like we're weaving in between each other and giving each other the space to make the scenes work. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to add another layer onto this. All right. <laughs> a lot of us are, a lot of people who listen to the podcast, they're music lovers, but they aren't, you know, the behind the scenes gurus. So we're interested. You as a composer, you've got the sound designer, and then you've got the music director. What does the music director of the film do? The music director is kind of making sure that, you know, the songs, they're picking out pretty much the songs. I think they overlap with the supervisor a bit, but, you know, just making sure the songs and the instrumentation are, what, are on par with what, um, are on key with what the um, director and production company are looking for. So they're kind of hiring people to put it all together. They'll maybe hire the composer. They see the overall vision of song and score. So when they come to you, Carla, and they say, we have a film, we want you to score it for us and work with us on this. Do they come already with a proposal of how the sound or do they say we're leaving it in your hands and this is the feeling we want? You know, it's a mixed bag. Often there, there, there is a, the director will have a vision of what they want and kind of say that, tell that to the music director. And then it's the music director's job to kind of to also work with the studio. It's very much a collaboration, a band <laughs> from the beginning. Cause it's like, you know, I have this idea, this is what the film's about. They want electronics or, or, or something and they want it to sound like with this eighties vibe or something like that. Right. And you kind of take that and you run with it. And then you're saying, well, what about this? You know, and like, and so to me, it opens up the conversation and then you really go back and forth. 
eventually coming up with the sound of the film or the TV show. And do you get to see the scenes before you write the music or? So, so I write to picture. So I get the film and I bring it into my program and I, you know, spot the film with the director, pick out where we need music. And, and then I sit down and I um, begin writing to it. I write themes first, I would say, and then I get in there and I write to the, um, to the picture. It's interesting. You might think at first, oh, it's restricting because you have to be like right to the picture and locked in in the timing. But it's cool because you end up like doing weird things to get there, like different meters. And so you write music that you wouldn't have written without it, obviously, but it's, it's pretty cool. Coming from the songwriting world where things were pretty much mapped out and kind of mm-hmm. simple meter, it, 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 it's interesting. It pulls you out of that in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, which project did you, did you find the most challenging and why? The documentary that I actually co-directed with my partner <laughs> was very hard to me because, you know, we, I had to have that hat as the director a bit. And so a lot of times I would sit there and kind of be like, no, you can't do that. Or you can do that. And like, it would be, <laughs> It was like this inner battle, like, and, um, and, you know, so that was really tough not to have that, you know, made me appreciate the guidance that I get from directors. It, it, it was really hard to like, kind of separate those two worlds and, you know, just be like, Carla, no music here is perfect. <laughs> and, <laughs> so that was, that was a really hard project for me. Yeah. But it was a very, a very fun project. As a music person, of course, you would gravitate toward putting music everywhere. And it's like, okay, where, where is that silent pause, the perfect thing? Yeah, I think I've, that's definitely a style that I've grown to over the years of like, oh, you know, let's let this breathe. Let's take in the, the room tone. You've credited your publishing deal as the way of getting in with, um, with film and television. And, you know, a lot of people think that, oh my gosh, the only way that you can really make it in the music industry is if you're on stage and you're selling lots of tickets and merchandise and yada, yada, yada. But you've shown that there are other ways to go about having a successful career. So um, can you explain for us the difference between a publishing deal and a record deal? With publishing, this is more about the songs. For me, I started with a publishing deal that basically um, they really published uh, for for screen. So it was like sync publishing. You end up still owning your recording or whoever owns the, you know, if you have a record deal, they'll, the label will own the recording. If you're an indie, you own your recording and the publisher will own the rights to place that uh, on different uh, platforms you know, and usually you keep a chunk of it uh, yourself, um, at least 50% of that. And yeah, and so to me, that that was like the bread and butter uh, with my band, because people weren't buying albums anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we either were making money with merch on tour, selling t shirts and stuff like that. Or getting these placements on um, cable television, especially the soap operas and the TV shows that really, really helped. Of course, we're kind of like right now at this time, 
um, hoping those don't get taken away too. <laughs> um, but, but it, I think um, it's a very, you know, I also got into the publishing side where um, I was specifically writing for television and purposely writing music to get it placed on television. So different uh, than writing songs for my, my album, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's an overlap sometimes. I tried to keep those separate later on as I went on. And you gravitate towards certain types of projects. Can you let us know a little bit about what types of projects really pique your interest and why? Definitely projects uh, that involve underrepresented communities, LGBTQ+, especially. That community is very important to me. And I, I grew up in a family. My parents immigrated from Italy. I, you know, these these communities like really need voices and need to be heard. They really, they have voices. They need to be heard. I would love to be a part of that, to amplify that with music. Most of the projects that I end up scoring are by women, oddly enough, because they are the people who hire me too, you know? So it's, it's this, this group. I try to always include women on my projects. Uh, I have on So She Howls, I have a a really amazing string quartet, all women players and uh, the Scorchio Quartet. And yeah, I think it's it's very important. I think this kind of segues nicely into a Disney project that's coming out soon called Maxine. And we're kind of getting the sneak uh, preview information from you on this. Can you share a little bit about Maxine? Yeah, it's actually coming out September 29th on Disney+. Plus. It stars Margaret Cho and is directed by Nikki Ong, uh, who's an amazing uh, director and writer. I can't really say too much about the story, but I will say um, it's part of a short series written and directed by underrepresented communities. Really, these stories are, are great. It's exactly what I just said, amplifying these unheard voices. And so I'm really proud to be a part of it. Oddly enough, I didn't think that project would come via Disney, but it's but it's really cool that they have this project. And it's so outside of the stereotypical Disney production. It's not a superhero movie. It's not a princess movie. You did not really relate to the princess kind of paradigm when you were growing up. I did not. In fact, the project that I told you was the hardest project for me to work on, uh, that film that I um, had co-made with my partner is about an animator pre-Disney. Uh, a woman who kind of got written out of history. And so I kind of went into, you know, I was kind of like, not anti-Disney, but I was like, what about this person who told these dark fairy tales? When I was, you know, told about this project, I had worked with Nikki before. I was really excited. And I was excited for her to have the platform of Disney to to be able to tell her story. Because uh, it's a pretty big platform. <laughs> it's a pretty big platform, for sure. And again, like reaching out of their norm. uh, Yeah. As far as, and it's, and I think it's the Launchpad series. Is that It's the Launchpad series. Exactly. Yes. Kind of going back to that and talking about our youth and just so you know, I didn't really relate to the princess stuff either. Yeah. (laughs) I was more about, I wanted to watch the Bionic Woman and Wonder Woman. Funny and Cher was my big thing. I loved the Funny and Cher show when I was little. I'm kind of aging myself here, dating myself. (laughs) But those were exciting to me. And fairy tale stuff, not so much. However, fairy tale, uh, I think that the stories are starting to shift and change too uh, within that narrative, which is very exciting. 
hopefully allowing for more youngsters to get excited about it and be more relevant to who we are today. Yeah. And, that, you know, particularly with this film, too, just to go on top of that, you know, it's a big talk or discussion right now about kids being able to just come out or be comfortable to talk about that. That's what I love about this film. <laughs> and I'll stop there. I won't say anything else about it. We're not going to say anything else about it, but we also have to keep in mind too that there's a political climate that's happening that there could be some serious pushback in this and other projects that you have upcoming. And I'm wondering, how do you deal with that as an artist who's part of, of that piece of art? You know, you just keep trucking because I have, um, I have a, a friend of mine who I've di who's directed a few films that I've scored who just does everything grassroots. She's a documentary filmmaker. Uh, this is Jessica, Clambake. These are a few films where she really gets the community together, raises funds to make her documentaries, and her documentaries are about the community. That's really inspiring, and I, I think you know that's just kind of where I gravitate towards when people are trying to take them away again. For me, that's what I uh, just back to the let's get this done, you know, believe it or not, we're getting toward the end of the episode and I can't I mean, it just moves so fast, Carla. I know. <laughs> I can't get over it. I could do the I can keep asking questions all day, but we do need to wrap it up soon. A couple of things before we do wrap up. Number one. We already talked about Maxine coming up. What what other projects do you have on the horizon? I have a short film that I'm working on with my partner again. Uh, it's about an Italian singer uh, named Milva, mm -hmm. and um, so we're we're yeah. She was my mom's favorite singer, and I actually got to go to Italy and meet her before she passed away. Yeah, and and so it's a it's a real uh, a film kind of about my mom's love for the singer and. Uh, so we've been working on it for a long time, and hopefully this will be coming out soon. Keep him busy with the scoring work as well. For people who want to reach out, follow you, see what you're up to going forward, what is the best way for them to uh, keep in touch? I'm pretty much on, in on Instagram a lot these days. Carla Petullo at Instagram. On Instagram, that's me. Yeah. And carlapetullo.com is your website. Exactly. Let me tell you, there is a lot of information in there about all of the projects that Carla has worked on. It's pretty exciting. Oh, I am thank you. so happy to have had a chance to talk with you today about all of this, especially the new album and the ins and outs of working on films as a composer and music director and designer. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Thea. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Oh, you're so welcome. It's been a pleasure. I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Yes, let's make it happen. <laughs> let's make it happen. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Carla Petullo. We're so happy to have her today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, we love sharing stories like Carla's. Why? Because they remind us to be dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. Until next time, it's a wrap. Horizon Music, the podcast, is produced by Fearwood Productions, based in Detroit, Michigan. Please see this episode's show notes for show credits. If you would like to connect your brand with music lovers, please email Thea at horizonmusic.org. This podcast is the property of Fearwood Productions, Inc., and is protected by copyright law. Use of this podcast is for personal and non-commercial purposes only. No other use of this production, including and without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing, may be made without prior consent from Fearwood Productions. 
Productions Inc. submits all requests to Thea at horizonmusic.org.